start recording. You are now recording. Um, so yeah, we use this best fight odds thing. Are you just gonna say we're using five dimes? Yeah, we'll, we'll, when we read the odds, Stick we'll the say theme. that we're using five dimes and you'll talk about Yeah, them. but we'll read off of best. Yeah, fight and odds. we'll say you know like that board up there. You know, if you look at <laughs> you know, I mean, you, we could we could say just talk about the archive, whatever. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, I don't know if Nick is like listening to us, but <laughs> I mean, those guys are doing. Um, I, I guess you know they they want us to be on the show. Oh yeah, she kind of not like really fuck them. No shit, and friggin' <laughs> or fuck ourselves actually. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, James does like fucking seventy five percent of the work at MMA Odds Breaker. Oh, does he? Yeah, he edits Trigg's fucking shows, his shows. He fucking edits the writing. He does all kinds of shit there. That must be a full-time job. No, his full-time job is fucking working for the Discovery Channel. They have one in Canada, too? Yeah. Rogers. Yeah, he does all the video editing and shit. He yeah. used to be the voiceover guy at the, at the Fight Network. So, like, when they play, like, fight highlights and shit. Dude, we're up to 508 downloads. That's terrible. We got a shot. We have a shot. We have shit. I'm going to keep plugging what we've done so far this week, Don. Hopefully we can get something decent out of it. All right, we, no, we got a shot at 1,000, I'm saying. Fuck, no, we're at 500. We're at 500? It's, it's, it's Thursday. Yeah. You have until Sunday. Uh, we'll see. We will. We shall see. The TJ Laramie show is the big one right now at 177. Well, it was the oldest too, right? Yeah. The uh, James Lynch has 32, but it hasn't been up in you know exactly. It hasn't been on uh, like online in terms of these numbers to yet. Posted James Lynch on Reddit with the straight audio feed, like fucking like if you click download on Talkshoe. That yeah. black screen that opens, it goes straight to that. Oh. So it's automatic list. And I was going to friggin' put it on the iTunes page or something, but then still, if somebody clicks on it, it's just going to open the iTunes page. They still have to click play. That black, oh, black screen, screen that black screen starts playing right away. It's, yeah, it's an automatic download. Right. I see what you mean, yeah. It's a good point. Well, we'll see what happens. It's we'll play wonky it. because you can't subscribe to it. I know, but... Hopefully fucking people aren't that lazy and they say, hey, how do I find more of this shit or something? But fuck, fuck combat press and page views. James, James posted today on Facebook fucking that he was on combat press's rear naked choke radio. It's like, oh, fuck. Uh, no, no. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Well, you going to play the intro? Yeah, waiting on you. All right, you ready to record? Yeah, yeah, let it go. You can, you yeah. can do the intro. I'll, I'll take this one off. Okay, here we go. Ready? You recording? Yep. yep. Okay. Can you feel it? It's time for the. 
the hottest hidden show ever dedicated to the sport of mixed martial arts. They're hitting right where it hurts. And choking out the competition. It's the Red Naked Choke coming at you live. That's right, Tim Hughes coming at you in our version of live. It's Rear Naked Choke Radio. Hello! My name is Joe. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes. We would love for you to do that. You could follow the show on Twitter at RNC Radio. You can follow Jay on Twitter at JKellyMMA, J-A-Y-K-E-L-L-Y-M-M-A. And you can follow myself, Joe Rizzo, at Rear Naked Choke on Twitter at Rear Naked Choke. Yes, all one word. No underscores or hyphens or anything like that. The original. Rear Naked Joke Radio is brought to you by Drone Strike. Download the app game for your iOS device, your Apple device. Download it now. Play for free. Free to download, free to play. Drone Strike. Follow them on Twitter at Drone Strike Game. We love our little Drone Strike games. The kids love the Drone Strike game. The adults love the Drone Strike game. Get out there, kill some terrorists. You don't have to be Tim Kennedy and do it in real life. Uh, you could just do it on Drone Strike. And, you know, they're they're big supporters of us here at Rear Naked Joke Radio. So we are going to do some betting angles. We're going to break down uh, the UFC Dillashaw versus Dominic Cruz card, which is coming up actually on, on Sunday. It's a little weird. There's Invicta on Saturday, but the UFC is on Sunday this week. And uh, here down in the States, a lot of us get a holiday from work on Monday, which is uh, Martin Luther King Day. So, you know, it should not be a problem for this guy right here. As for Jay Kelly, I don't know about that, but uh, we're going to dive pretty much right in here, Jay. You, re- you ready to go? You've had a busy week here, Jay, doing shows like crazy on uh, Rear Naked Choke Radio. And finally, he gets to do one with me this week. Mm-hmm. And next week's not slowing down either. So be prepared, listeners. We've got lots of shit coming your way. Lots of good quality content coming your way. <laughs> By shit, you mean good quality content. Exactly. That's what I call good quality content. Shit. Um, no, it's been a, been a busy week, but a good week. A fun week. Some great guests. TJ Laramie, Tom DeBlast, James Lynch from Party Shop Podcast. I'm going to cap the week off with a little betting angle show. Talk about UFC Fight Night 81, Dillashaw vs. Cruz. As usual, Five Dimes is going to assist us with the betting odds, and we're going to see if we can maybe make you rich. If we make you rich, don't forget who made you rich. If we make you poor, forget our number. That's right. And uh, let's do, you know what? Instead of doing the tease, I I feel like our thing is we get right to the main event. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We don't trust that anybody's going to, you know, hang around long enough or or (laughs) the whole show. Go right to the main event, you know, Dillashaw versus Cruz. I still haven't seen the Robin Black breakdown, and I, and I want to see it. I kind of feel like I want to see it before I go on record and make my pick, but I guess I don't really have a choice at this point unless we do another show. But that doesn't really, like, you know, this is the betting angle show, so if you're going to make picks, this is kind of the time to make picks. I guess we, we always sort of reserve the right to change, but this is, this is sort of the handicapping of it, right? So uh, Dominic Cruz is the deposed champion you know he's fought one time since october 1st 2011 he was absolutely completely dominant maybe had the best performance in his career um in his championship career 
in that performance, but you know, has because you fight one time in four plus years, um, you lose the belt. And TJ Dillashaw has been an excellent champ. He took the belt from Henan Barrow, who originally was, you know, an interim champ. And, you know, I, I, this is one of those situations where Dominic Cruz never lost, but I really don't have a problem with him having to had to relinquish the belt because active for too long. So this is this is sort of the one time where I will say the interim championship kind of meant something. And it's only because it's morphed into the true championship. So I, I don't begrudge Dillashaw being the champ right here. I don't know that I feel that Cruz is really the challenger um, as much as maybe others do because I've followed, you know, his career from from the way beginning. And, um, you know, I still feel like this is this is really, you know, it's a unification match. But I I do slightly feel that he is that he, you know, has a challenger mentality. But, Jay, I've also felt like Dominic Cruz has been such a great champion because he really entered his championship defenses with the challenger mentality and that's really hard to do but i think you see great champions do it i think you know george st pierre that was a key to driving him he always felt like he was a challenger john jones talks about it he's like my belt is on the line the second i step into that octagon i'm not the champion until that fight is over and they raise my hand then i'm the champion again it's it's just hard to have that attitude you know i don't know you know, maybe Ronda Rousey had some of it too, but you know, Dominic Cruz has that. This is a true champ. You know, a guy who who has been at the top of his game, and uh, you know, this is this is a huge fight to be on, not pay per view in my estimation. I I know I didn't say anything about the line or the betting angle, but that sort of previews the fight in my in my uh, in my eyes. I agree with you as well. I'm very surprised this is not on a pay per view. Uh, at least co-main event, if not main event, paper because it it's worthy of that for sure. Dominic Cruz, it wasn't like we saw him lose a step before he was gone the first time. He came back, fought Mitsugaki, absolutely dismantled Mitsugaki. So he didn't lose a step there. All of a sudden, he's gone again. It's not like it's one of these things where he's coming back from a retirement or he's so old or his skills are diminished and you know he's trying to make one more run at it. So it's it's definitely a, a pay-per-view co-main event or main event worthy fight. It's kind of weird to see it on, on a fight night uh, event. But then again, the smaller guys don't always sell. So, I mean, uh, Demetrius Johnson doesn't really headline too many pay-per-view events either. He was, he's a very dominant champion. He's 10 pounds lighter at 125, but still, he's not main eventing pay-per-views. They just, they don't sell. They don't sell like the big guys do, unfortunately. Well, that's just the reality of of uh you know of of finances at this point right mm-hmm. so but i mean i it's hard to say it's it's any fault of the fighters um but at the same time you know maybe the fighters could do a little bit more to 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 market themselves there are certainly you know not everybody could be conor mcgregor but not everybody has to be necessarily demetrius johnson either and you know he takes a lot of guff and a lot of flack for the fact that you know He's probably, you know, I mean, he's the longest running uninterrupted champ now that we have in the UFC. And, you know, he's also the least known and the least, you know, bought on on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, maybe, hey, listen, maybe it comes down to everybody that's, you know, under 155, not named Conor McGregor, is, you know, when they're going to have a title fight like this, um, 
you know, maybe those are the fights that just go on the Fox Sports ones or the Fox Sports Network, and you know they're certainly worthy of of headlining there. But maybe people just don't want to see it on a pay per view unless it's uh, you know part of a a co main event or you know it's. I mean, if Demetrius Johnson was defending his title as uh, you know a co main event to Holly Holm against Misha Tate. Then you feel like, okay, this is a good, you know, that's, that's, that's boosting a pay-per-view. But if Demetrius Johnson's kind of like on top of that card, those, those, that's what you're talking about where the numbers really haven't done well. But what we have here is, um, you know, a, a perception of a fight that you and I feel is worthy enough to have made it to pay-per-view, but they've chosen to, to, uh, to put it on cable. So, you know, good for us. And it's on a Sunday night, and I don't, and I don't have to work Monday and get up early except to get the kids to school. So, uh, Cruz at plus one twenty, and the champ Dillashaw at minus one forty. Those are really tight odds. And when we've seen odds like this in these recent fights, in title fights of the UFC, we've seen a whole bunch of them go to the uh, go to the underdog lately. And in this case, I mean, I, I think the world of Dillashaw, but I, I just, I'm stubborn here and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against Cruz. And I think the fact that the guy has been favored in every one of his fights since what, what we were talking about before in the pre-show meeting, uh, Dominic Cruz has been a favorite um, and mostly significant favorite in every one of his fights since he was plus 200 against Brian Bowles in WEC 47. Mm-hmm. So that's March 6, 2010. Now, granted, he had, you know, he, has, he had a bunch of fights between then and you know, October 1, 2011, but uh, that, that's, that's a long time to, to go between being an underdog. And when he was an underdog that night, he underdog before that was Joseph Benavides. He was plus 285, and he housed him. And those are the only two times that, um, you know, before tonight, uh, tonight, before this card, that he's even been an underdog uh, on, on a closing line in his career. So when somebody has that kind of pay, I kind of feel like he's, he's a value anytime you're going to see a plus next to his name, just because you never get to see it. And he hasn't, I mean, he's had injuries, but he hasn't done anything in a cage that would make you think that he's not worthy of being a good play anytime he has a plus next to his name. Now, Dillashaw has been a plus as recently as you know May 24th, 2014, when he was plus 475 against Burrell and completely dismantled them the first time that they met in a, in a totally you know dominant performance that most of us didn't really see coming. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a big upset. Yeah, but truth be told... You look back through his history, and that's the only time in his career that he's been an underdog. And all the other times he's been favorite, a favorite, he's closed at at least minus two fifteen. Hmm. And, yeah, d- and go ahead. You know, that's that's hard to bet against as well when you're looking. Well, I mean, you know, now you're getting him at minus one forty five. So this sort of, you know, Jay, this this fight. Reminds me of what we were talking about with the uh, with the Robbie Lawler Carlos Condit fight, 
And I really don't have too much to add except this. If you like Dominic Cruz and you want to put some action on the fight, then you just go ahead and bet him because you're, you're, you're getting a good price. You're getting good value. And if you like Tillashaw and you want to put a little and you want to have a little something riding on the fight, then go lay it on him because you're getting it's a really fair price for both guys. And honestly, I, I could I could see the fight I could see the fight going either way. I mean, you could talk about over unders and things like that. And you know, this thing is is definitely slated and, and kind of set up to be a um, you know to be a fight that goes the distance. Uh, but I, I really would just focus on fighter versus fighter here and say, you know, I, I, my pick is going to be Cruz just because I haven't seen him, like I said, I haven't seen him do anything in a cage to make me feel like somebody's going to beat him. And, you know, with Dillashaw, we haven't really seen, you know, anybody at, at this level against him, I guess, because... He just made Burrell look so bad twice that, you know, I, I, I almost feel like he, he sort of – that Burrell maybe wasn't as good as everybody thought he was um, because Dillashaw just dominated him completely. So I'm, I'm on cruise here. It's not one of my, like, run-to-the-window picks, but that will be my pick. Uh, yeah, it's a, like uh, we spoke with uh, Dick Kalikas before about people betting with their heart. I think there's a little bit of that in your pick there, um, betting with your heart. I know how fond of you are of, of Dominic Cruz. My thoughts on it, uh, James Lynch and actually discussed this last night. I think if Cruz, you know, he, he fights, say, the way he did before he even left the first time he was off with injuries, before he had to give up his belt. Cruz, then he comes back, performs just like that. Dillashaw performs the way he has been performing. I give Dillashaw the slight edge because of the fact that Cruz has been away. They're very equal, I think. Um, not not tr- not in terms of uh, they fight the exact same. There are there is a lot of similarities similarities between their fighting styles, but I think uh, in skill wise and everything, they're very equal. And with this layoff, <clears throat> it has to affect Cruz in some form or fashion. And I don't think he's going to steamroll in the way he did Mitsugaki. Dillashaw is not going to let that happen to him. I don't think, anyways. And I think that's what makes me lean towards Dillashaw. Now, at minus 140, if, if I'm a betting man, I'm not afraid to put some money on minus 140. It's not so outrageous where you have to bet a whack to win. It's going to take a few hundred dollars to make a, to make some decent money off that because he is minus 140, and meaning that you have to bet $140 to win 100 But, you know, if the key you got the cash and Dillashaw is your guy... I wouldn't shy away from throwing down, you know, 500 bucks or a grand on him at minus 140. It's not like he's minus 240 or 300 or anything like that, where it's it's just there's no money to be made unless you're going to bet an outrageous amount of money. Uh, and back to your original point. So I think it's uh, more of a who do you like? Who's the guy you like? And if you like the guy and you're confident with him, throw the money down because it's, it's probably going to be a pretty close fight. And if Cruz can perform the way he always did, like I said, I do give that side edge to TJ. I don't expect Cruz to come back any less than he did, but I just think with the two long layoffs, that's the only thing that makes me question, you know, there might be a slight bit of rust on Cruz coming into this, where there's, I don't think there'd be any on TJ. But we also have to take into account, TJ's had a lot of things going on in his personal life. Not so much personal life, but his professional life outside of the cage. 
you know, switching camps, the whole drama with Uriah Faber and Team Alpha Male and all that sort of stuff, and committing to, um, I know they say that um, Dwayne Ludwig isn't running that camp down in uh, Denver, but let's be honest, he's the, he's there because of because of Dwayne Ludwig, and they're a great mix, so I don't think that's going to hurt him a whole lot, and I think Ludwig will keep focused, but still, that is a big change in your life. You know, you're moving from one state to another state, and you're leaving one team for another team, one head coach for another head coach. There's, there's got to be some effect to that as well on, on Dillashaw. But, you know, he, they've both both proven also to be mentally tough fighters. It, it's going to be very interesting. And I think the bottom line is, like you said at the top of this, who do you like? Who's the guy you like? Both guys have, have, have a nice betting line on them. Cruz obviously pays a little more at the plus 120. Um, but yeah, I would not shy away from betting on Dillashaw on this on this fight at all. What's happening? Oh, okay. I you keep fading out, so I don't I don't know. I, I could I. It sounded like you were fading out again. Perfect. Now the next fight. Um, well, I, we we call it the next fight, but we're going from the from the top of the card. We're going from the good fights down. The <laughs> good fights and, down. Elvis Mutapchich hates us right now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Anthony Pettis minus three forty-five against Eddie Alvarez plus two eighty-five. Kind of like unthinkable lines when when you go back to you know all the thought and the and the and the literally years of controversy that it took. To get Eddie Alvarez over to the UFC from Bellator, you know, and it and it and it finally happened, and you know, probably happened a couple of years later than everybody really would have wanted it to happen. But you know, it's a, it's it's a business, right? I, I mean, Pettis was a guy that um, Dana White thought you know was going to hold that title, you know, the 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 155 pound title for a long, long time. And he lost it, you know, and Rafael Dos Anjos looks like the real deal. But the truth is, you know, if you look through Pettis' Pettis's career, there have been those, those little hiccups every now and then. And, you know, was that Dos Anjos, you know, a hiccup? I mean, it doesn't really look like it was a hiccup because Dos Anjos looks like you know, like he's going to maybe hold that belt a little bit longer than than a lot of us ever. Th- I mean, the fact that he ever got it is more than most of us thought that he would even do. But um, you know, he's got that fight coming up with Conor McGregor, and if he beats McGregor, then um, you know, Dos Anjos is really like has a stranglehold on this 155 pound division, which has basically been probably the deepest and most competitive division in the UFC consistently for, you know, a long period of time. So here you have a guy like, like Alvarez, right? He's, he's had some wars with Michael Chandler and Bellator. So it's hard to take what he's done in another promotion, even though he does have, you know, a a history here in the UFC. Um, This is only his fourth UFC fight. So what he was doing against Chandler is a little hard to quantify because we're not really sure what, you know, where Chandler and Patricky Pitbull, you know, we're not really sure where those guys would be if they were in, in the UFC mix. Now, what has Alvarez done? Um, 
he was an underdog against Gilbert Melendez. He was like, you know, plus 150 or something like that. And he ended up with the win. Um, you know, what happened, Jay, against Cowboy Cerrone? Alvarez. Right? I mean, how do you, how do you, uh, like, no, Eddie Alvarez can compete with the top guys in this division. So if he's that much of a price, Against Anthony Pettis, I, I have to feel like he's he's a live underdog at that price. I I, I have to feel like it. it I agree he's with just you. a guy. He's just a guy who knows how to survive. He can take damage, and you're like, how is this guy still going? And then you know, the next thing you know, he's he's counter punching and he's knocking the other guy back. You know, I mean, it's it, it's 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 just hard not to. It's hard not to quantify that when a guy is that big of a price. Yeah, and you look at Rafael Dos Anjos, what he did to Pettis, he used his, his boxing and, the, and the, the kicking aspect of his striking that he does have to basically bully Pettis down and then sit in Pettis' guard and beat the shit out of Pettis. Eddie Alvarez is a guy that fights just like that. Eddie Alvarez, I think, you know, if you're looking at a grappling match, Eddie Alvarez... Aside from those slick submissions, Pettis can pull off off his back if you give him the space. But if Alvarez pins him against the cage on the ground and starts bullying him, I think Pettis is in some trouble. And at plus 265, that's a risk I'm willing to take. Two, yeah, 265. No, 285. Plus 285. That's a risk I'm willing to take on Eddie Alvarez. I think, you know, that's a live underdog, I think, is that's that's the one on this card. There was a one little further down... Might be a live underdog. We'll talk about it when we get to it. But I, I'm agreeing with you totally. Eddie Alvarez, live underdog in this one. I think Pettis is the favorite. I do believe that. But at 285, that's a that's a good good bet. There's a yeah, good and, reward to that risk. And so what we're saying, you know, a live underdog who probably has a better chance of winning the fight than he's been, uh, you know, given credit for yeah. in terms of the odds. So does that mean, you know, Eddie Alvarez is going to win the fight? Does that mean if you make a play on Eddie Alvarez and he doesn't win, that it's a bad play? It's, it becomes a bad play if he gets completely dominated, you know, and if Pettis looks every bit, you know, minus 45 and he looks like, you know, super champ Pettis, uh, and he comes up with some, you know, spectacular knockout or crazy submission, you know, minute six into the fight, then, yeah, that, that's, that's probably not a good play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if this thing goes down to, like, a split decision and, you know, Pettis edges him out, you have to understand that you've made a good play even if you've lost. You handicapped the fight. You saw value in a fighter, um, and, and, and you took a chance on it. And that's a good chance because, you know, a lot of times those things are going to go your way. And if you can handicap a fight to the point where you could see that Eddie Alvarez has value, that's what you're looking for. You know, that's, that's, that's a way to make money. You know, that's a way to take, you know, you, you, you find a couple of those and you put a small amount of money down on a parlay. And all of a sudden you could turn that into something pretty decent if you hit a couple of them. And if you don't, then, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to risk as much. So uh, we both identify Alvarez as being um, a solid play and a live underdog. Now, the, the heavyweight fight that, um, that's featured here is Matt Mitrione, plus 130 against Travis Brown, minus 150. So 
how is this one going to play out? Um, you know, this looks like a first round kind of slugfest <laughs> type of thing. Who just lumps? Uh, both have, you know, maybe seen better days. Uh, you would figure that Mitrione is further away from seeing better days than Travis Brown, but I'm not really sure. Um, to tell you the truth, Jay, I was kind of surprised that Mitrione was this little of an underdog. Me too. He'd be a much bigger underdog here. Me so too. That's a red flag for me in a different way. Like, that's a red flag that almost makes me say, I'm not giving Mitrione nearly enough credit. Like, that maybe Mitrione is the play. Um, so I'm, I, am, I am torn up on this one. I mean, Mitrione's older. He's, he's 37. Although, I got to check Travis Brown's age. Mitrione's but, very athletic as well, too, and moves really well, and he uses his length really well. And his kicks, I'd say he has better kicks than Travis Brown. Yeah, I mean, Mitrione, for those who don't know, he played in the NFL for a short time. Um, Probably and, the one of the one of the more agile heavyweights for sure. Yeah, he he doesn't necessarily doesn't seem move like, like a heavyweight. Yeah, he he doesn't necessarily seem like it because of his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not like gracefully athletic, but he does he do, he he just he's really explosive. Yeah, and Travis that's, played that's, uh, Travis played college basketball. Yeah, that's right at a high level. So these guys these guys are actual athletes. Yeah. You know what I mean? The crossover um, in MMA. Mitrione, uh, you know, forget about what he did in the Ultimate Fighter House. What? I'd say that. Oh. So Mitrione, forget about what he did in the Ultimate Fighter House. He comes out and uh, um, he beats Marcus Jones in the, in the Tough Ten finale. Then... Um, he beat Kimbo, right? He beat Joey Beltran, and those fights all went around. a second a second round knockout uh, decision against Joey Beltran. Then he knocked out Tim Haig, um, a brutal KO of Christian Moorcraft. If you remember that one, that was nasty. <laughs> yes, um, that was. Then he goes to a decision against Czech Congo. October 29th, 2011. That was the last time Matt Mitrione has been out of the first round. That was the last time. His, wow. He I got knocked that. out by Big Country. He had the, uh, the 19-second knockout of Philippe de Vries. Um, the TKO, the... Um, he got choked out by Brendan Schaub, right? The Bravo choke. That was a first rounder. He knocked out Sean Jordan a second before the end of the first round. You remember that one? Yep. That was crazy. He had the 41 second knockout of Derek Lewis and knocked out Gabriel Gonzaga in, in two minutes back in, um, you know, but that's already back in December, 2014. So he's been off for a year. Uh, and then, uh, no, I'm sorry. He he's, hasn't won in over a year. Mm-hmm. Because he, had, he got choked out again. Got, right, he got choked out again. Well, I get, did he, Ben Rothwell, did he choke him out or was that technically a sub? 
There's I don't. Just some fucking I, weird. I thought it was a choke of some sort, wasn't it? Front headlock it, it, or something. Guillotine. It was like a gu- It was like a guillotine, like a wrestling guillotine. Wasn't yeah, 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 yeah. Like a front headlock, shit like that. Yeah. So Matt Matrione, like, this is first round all over it, right? And Travis Brown, it's like the same thing. Now, I mean, the biggest question here is: Is Ronda Rousey, his girlfriend, going to be in the audience? And are they still going out? I'm sure they are, or else we probably would have heard about it one way or another. And I doubt she'll be in the audience. I don't think Ronda's showing her face anytime soon until it's the right time. Ronda's, Ronda's, Ronda's first appearance in public is not going to be at UFC Fight Night 81. That's not going to happen. She might be in the back somewhere, but that's not going to be Ronda's first public appearance. Unless they just <laughs> flip the script and she stands by her man. Picture, I was going to say, she's in his corner. Didn't you ever hear the song Stand By Your Man? <laughs> Picture if she's in his corner. Holy yeah. shit. Her and Edmund. Oh, God. Fuck. Oh, my God. How much... I wonder how long before Travis walks out of that tunnel before somebody starts yelling wife beater at him. Dude. It's bound, it's bound to happen. Thing. So there's savage drunk fans at UFC events. Assholes in general. I mean, talk about a guy who doesn't go out of the first round much. That's Travis Brown. He's, he's 33, too. by the way. He's 33, so he's a little bit younger. That's it? Fuck, man, I'm starting to get old. He lost to Arlovsky, first-round knockout. That's what turned everybody around on Arlovsky and soured people on, on Travis Brown, right? Uh, yep. He knocked out Brennan Schaub, 450 of the first round. He had the five-round decision loss to Fabrizio Verdum, Right? Yeah, no but, shame in that. Yeah, but we're already going back to 2014. Before that, Josh Barnett, the one minute, uh, that crazy elbowing mm-hmm. knockout. Elbow, 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 elbow. You can't even say elbow. The front kick and punches knockout of Alistair Overeem. The uh, other elbow knockout, not as many elbows, but that was against Gonzaga. And, you know, he got knocked out by Big Silva. Also in the first, and he succumbed uh, to an arm triangle show by Travis Brown in the first round. So, you know, before that, Rob Broughton, five round, uh, three round decision. Stefan Struve, uh, he knocked out Stefan Struve, Travis Brown, Congo, so that obviously distance. Knocked out James McSweeney, James McWeeney, James McSweeney, whatever his name is. <laughs> uh, that was the first rounder. <laughs> Shout out to Zach Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know that's so he's 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 had a lot of UFC fights here. Um, and if you go back, he's got a litany of other. He, he had um, in other promotions, he had an, a nine second and eight second knockout back to back. Sandwich between a thirty five second knockout and a forty nine second knockout. So. Thing. This fight is just, I mean, this is one of those over-under fights where you're probably going to be, you know. Do you have the over-under for this? Because I, I, I didn't have it for some reason tonight. I do. It is uh, one and a half rounds. Over is plus 158. Under is 180. Minus 180. Okay. So the under at minus 180 is your obvious blatant play right here. Mm-hmm. I mean... It, neither guy. I mean, you're saying that this fight has to go into second round. There is no indication that this fight is going into the second round. None. 
somebody's going to be throwing something wild and somebody's going to get knocked out. Well, I think for Travis Brown, Travis Brown was a guy who was right up in the title mix at one point, especially before all the, the legal issues issues he had when he was accused of uh, of wife beating. I don't know if it was his wife or his girlfriend. It was his wife, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But yeah, so before he was accused of that, and then, you know, he was, uh, I don't know if you call it suspended, or he was just, you know, he was on the sidelines, we'll say, until the UFC did their own investigation, did a third-party investigation. They cleared him. And then they reinstated him back into the UFC. So for Travis Brown, I think like a very violent like, first-round finish, which he's not afraid to go after, it, that throws him right back up in there. And that top of that heavyweight division is its getting cluttered right now. For Matt Mitrione, I mean, he's meathead. He's fucking, let's do it. You know what I mean? He's that guy. So under a round and a half, I think, is, you've got to play that. You're crazy to think this is going to go anywhere over seven and a half minutes. Yeah, so that that seems like the play. And another, uh, you know, I looking at I would say Travis Brown, but this being a lag of Matt Mitrione plus one thirty makes me say if if I you know if you gave me a freebie, I would put it on Mitrione here. I would not go out of my way either way to bet this fight because it's so un. Um, I just uh, but I. It's weird to say. I think Brown is probably better, but I feel like somebody knows something making this line that close. So I would. That's that's the only reason. It's like just telling yourself to forget what you see and look for something else that's a that's a bigger sign. I think something might be up there that that somebody knows something, and that's why this line is is so close. Because I just don't see that Mitrione is a guy that, that, that should be taking that kind of action. After, okay, Travis Brown lost two out of three. But look who he lost to. <laughs> he lost to the current champ and a former champ who was on like a nine-fight winning streak before he finally got stopped. I don't know. I don't, I don't think those are bad losses. They, he should be... If Travis Brown is either the steal of this card at minus 150... Or he's not even going to be competitive like in this fight. Like he's going to get knocked right out, right immediately. I don't think there's any in between here. And watch the fight go to a decision. But yeah, I mean, I really don't think that. I, I think he's either he either shows that 150 was like a joke line here, and he's just going to dominate, or you're going to see like Matt Mitrione get his hand raised. You're going to be like, wow, how did that happen? What's what's going on with Travis Brown? Yeah, I could I could agree with that. We're definitely not going to see a grappling fest between the two of them, or a strategic, well thought out fight. I don't think we're going to see two guys going and get after it. One thing that's it: some guys are fighters, some guys are athletes. I would say both these guys are fighters. They're not afraid to get hit, not afraid to take risks, and they both like to finish fights. As we've seen, win or loss, win or lose, they both they both know how to do them really it- well. It is it is funny that you say you you before you were talking about how both guys are athletes. Yeah. But now you're saying both guys are fighters, but I totally agree with you. No, no, you know what I mean? I'm, I yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, it's yeah. a, no, I I I I I like the way you phrased it before, but I also like the way you phrased it. Yeah, they are athletic guys, but I mean, you look at like a like a GSP or someone. You know what I mean? He's he's going in with a strategy. He's going to use his athleticism. These guys are athletes. They can move. That's what I was saying about that athletic side of it. I know you know what I what I mean, but they uh, they're fighters. Like they got into MMA because they like punching people and getting punched. 
It's not like the like some athletes we see crossover, and like like a Herschel Walker or something. Herschel Walker's never gonna stand there and just bang like when he when he tried his MMA career out. It was it was a strategically planned thing, and even though he was an athlete, he stayed an athlete when he crossed over to MMA. These guys crossed over to MMA and were like, "Fuck it, let's let's kick the shit out of each other and see what happens." Both guys have proven that in their track record. I agree. What about Francisco Trinaldo against Ross Pearson? Pearson minus one fifty, Trinaldo plus one thirty. I, I'm I'm usually a Ross Pearson guy. Um, he's he he always manages his way to to squeak through, and you know as a as a favorite, I don't know. He seems like another guy who. It's like. He's either like a big guy, it seems, and for so for him to be such an evenly matched, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a in a fight where the line is so evenly matched, it's kind of like surprising to me. I mean, you look back, he was um, he was plus three forty five against Paul Felder, he was, but he was minus two thirty nine against Evan Dunham. If those guys fought again, Evan Dunham would probably be plus minus two thirty nine. He was minus three sixty two against Sam Stout. You got to go all the way back to the Al Iaquinta fight where he was minus 160 to to have you know I mean and he was minus 175 against Gray Maynard, uh, you know. But most of the time he's either like he's not he's not in that in between so much. So as an in between, um, I feel like he's usually a pretty you know he's a guy that I feel is pretty solid. To put into uh, a parlay here and there. Again, he's not that big of an of a favorite that it's going to cost you a lot. So if you were if you wanted to put, you know, a small wager on like Eddie Alvarez, right? And then you said, well, you know, let me also hook up Ross Pearson with Eddie Alvarez to see if I could, you know, get a little bit more in there. I mean, I think that's a good opportunity right there. Yeah, I could agree with that. The thing about Trinaldo, I think, where that that makes the line a little closer, is the four-fight win streak he's been on. Mind you, three of the, those four until his most recent, they were won by decision. And his most recent fight, he TKO'd Chad Laprice, who is a guy, a very good stand-up fighter, striker, Team Tompkins guy. He he's at TriStar now, so he's got good coaching. He's been at TriStar for quite a while after he left Adrenaline. Not not on bad terms or anything. I know he still comes back to Adrenaline here and there, and some adrenaline, lots of Adrenaline guys go to TriStar for camps and stuff like that and to get some work in. So I think that's kind of and where Ross Pearson's record has been peppered. You know, he went against Paul Felder, lost against Evan Dunham, went against Sam Stilt, lost against Ali Quinto, went against Gray Maynard, lost against Diego Sanchez. Well, that loss against Diego Sanchez was the fucking biggest robbery ever so we can't even count that where it's a little peppered i think that brings the lines closer together this is one of those fights we all, we see at least one of these fights on every card when we look at these betting lines where sometimes you just have to ignore the lines and look at the actual fighters and what we know about them and i i think ross pearson is is the favorite in this and he's a good guy like you said to throw into a parlay at minus 150 you're starting starting to enter that territory uh, maybe a little bit, hot, a little bit, you know, minus territory. You don't really want to start betting on it as a straight bet, but minus one fifty-five Eddie Alvarez, you got a nice parlay there, a nice two-fight parlay. And as the card goes on, I'm sure we could find another one and throw in that mix, and you see a, a parlay that would pay out real nice if it went your way. 
Yeah, the thing, uh, you know, I, I liked what you were talking about with Trinaldo. I, I think that four-fight winning streak, like you said, does bring the line a little bit closer. Uh, I, I just think that he hasn't fought nearly uh, the quality of guy that, that Ross Pearson has fought. And oh, when it's okay. gone up in class, uh, Trinaldo has really had a lot of trouble. I mean, even Norman Park, who Ross Pearson's uh, – Norman Park's pretty good, but Ross Pearson's better than him. That was it. Still took a split decision. Yep. For for Trinaldo to to you know he went the distance split decision, right? Uh, Mike Chiesa. Lost you know, against he, him. He lost against him. Um, that Peter was Hallman. a decision. Peter Hallman subbed him, right? I mean, Gleason Tebow. Like anytime you look at his record and you see a name that's more of a recognizable name, he lost to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're an IFL fan. And you see, oh, he beat Delson Heleno. (laughs) 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 Delson Heleno was good in the IFL. He was also probably about 50 by the time (laughs) 2012 in the UFC. And even go back, like, you could leaf through his jungle fights. fights. Yuri Alcantara? Yeah, he lost to Alcantara. Alcantara. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, he did beat Adriano Martins. That's a decent. That's but a nice again, win. that was a majority decision. It wasn't yeah. even. That's a nice, That's a good win. That's probably like. That's actually might be his best win. Uh, probably Chad Chad the Priest or or Martins. Oh, uh, Norman Park's probably his best win. But again, even those, he's winning a, a like a split, split decision, yeah. majority decision. This 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 fight is all Ross Pearson, man. I'm telling you, they like. Even even at the minus one fifty, I might look at you know a straight bet. And I know, like you said, he alternates you know wins losses. You know, no contest with Melvin Gillard in there. You know, win no contest, loss win loss win loss win. The guys that he's fought, I mean, they're all better than the guys fighting here. I mean, yeah, like, I, like I said, I mean, sometimes you know there's these fights that come up, but at least the, one the, per card. You just gotta throw the odds out and look at what we know and the history of the fighters and what we know about the fighter and the way they perform and who they fought and 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 take that into consideration as opposed to what the numbers say on the betting lines i think this is that fight on this card and the last time he fought a guy like he fought ryan couture that was in april of 2013 and he knocked him out and and you know i, I mean all the guys that he's fought since then are significantly better and more proven than than Trinaldo. So I I really see, you know, I, I see Ross Pearson as a good guy to key in here. And if you want to, you know, I mean if you're gonna put him in a parlay, you should also just bet him straight as well. And at you know, again at like minus one fifty, you don't have to go crazy, but you know, you can he could be like a nice bankroll builder and and sort of a fulcrum for, for some parlays. So I really like, you know, we a lot of times we look around for for fights like this in a card, like you said. This to me, this seems like one of those fights. Yeah, is this the fight that you were referring to before? <laughs> no, no. But adding um, up, which might also be the uh, no, what I was saying was the uh, uh, that I thought might be a live underdog. It's a little further down, a couple more fights. Oh, okay, let's try to buzz through so we don't have to spend all night. Exactly. Yeah, this is, and you know the bottom part of the card, we'd really never give them too much love, anyways. So that's eh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> if we find a gem, we give it love. If not, then you know we let exactly. it go. Uh, ben Saunders minus one fifteen, a very slight favorite over Patrick Cote minus one hundred five. 
Patrick Cote making waves on the internet for being a sharp-dressed man. Um, I, I, you know, this is this is a this fight could be like a total dud or like fight of the year. <laughs> yeah, and it it could also be knockout of the night with um, uh, Cote's punching power. It could be submission of the night with Saunders' craftiness. It, it, there's so many ways this fight could go. So many ways this fight could go. And with that betting line, anytime I get these lines, you know, that they're, they're both minus, minus 115 and minus 105, it's just something that I would tend to stay away from. It's, you know, if you have some sort of inclination or something, uh, some sort of inside scoop or something, you might, you might want to throw something on there. But anytime you get lines like that, I don't trust them. It's like, it's like, fucking gambling with a guy with two first names you don't do that <laughs> i don't know uh, i think you got to look at these and sometimes find the value in it like uh, cote right he's coming off wins over josh berkman and joe riggs not necessarily that impressive and you know his loss is he's five and one in his last six and the loss is to Stephen Thompson. And then you go further back, and he lost to Kung Lee. So you look at guys that like to use their legs to set up, you know, combina- to set up and or finish combinations. And those are some guys that, that he's had trouble with. Um, and Ben Saunders is, is capable of being crafty. Not necessarily, you know, with with what we call legs and and you know kicks by his legs, but um, like his knees, you know. And when he ta- a lot of times, what he does is he'll use his knees, uh, you know, to set up his striking combinations or to finish his striking combinations, take the fight to the ground, and try to win by submission. So, you know, let's see, does Patrick Cote ever get subbed or sub anybody? Well, you got to go back to Alan Belcher. That's a pretty long time ago that he's been in position where where somebody subbed him. Um, Has he fought guys that could hit submissions? Yeah. But, you know, Travis Luter, again, we're going back to like 2006. It's hard to count that against him. So the guy's been subbed one time in 10 years with a lot of fights in between. It doesn't look like Saunders is going to finish him with a submission here. So... If you have to go one way or the other, I think you go Cote um, just because he has a better chance to kind of neutralize Saunders' uh, finish. And by you know when you're when you're throwing knees, you're all, like people don't realize you're putting yourself at risk. If those knees don't land, you can end up in a bad position where you're vulnerable to for somebody to just get out of the clinch, step back, and just blast you with you know with with like straight punches. Um, so I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm also not in love with, uh, with a fight this close in odds, but I would come down on the side of Cote here and, you know, technically he's a slight underdog at minus one Oh five. Yeah. I mean, I'm sticking to what I mean and this, it, my, what it's worth and that's not much I, it's, I would avoid it. I, I would certainly avoid it. Picking wise, if I'm going to pick a winner with no money on the table, I would go with Ben Saunders. I think his craftiness can get him to win as far as it is with submissions you look at the guys that Cote has fought and I know you're pointing out that he didn't get subbed by them I mean Kyle Noakes not a real big submission guy 
Stephen Thompson, who beat him, isn't a big submission guy. Joe Riggs has been around forever. I mean, so he's got every arsenal, every tool in his arsenal, but it's just Josh Berkman, another one. He's he's been around for a really long time as well. He's got he's got a lot of skills, a veteran, a real veteran of the sport. A guy like Kung Lee who beat him. That's not a submission guy. Where I think Ben Saunders is a, a little more crafty and can pull off submissions a little better. And he's got that tenth planet jujitsu under his belt as well. So I like I said, you know. Uh, as far as put money on the fight, I wouldn't. My thoughts on who I think is going to win the fight, uh, I would lean towards Ben Saunders. And that's nothing against Quebec. I don't hate Quebec like the rest of Canada. Sorry, right. I like you, Quebec. <laughs> Here's the other thing. I mean, you know, the only guy that, that's really beaten Ben Saunders in, in the last, like, three, four years is Douglas Lima. That crazy head kick. It was brutal. Um, you know, he... Ben Saunders hit the Oma Plata. We know he's going to be trying it um, if he's if the fight goes to the ground. But the thing is, if the fight goes to the ground, uh, like Saunders is most dangerous, like off his back, and he loves to fight off his back. Yep that 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 is a hard way to point fight. <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't work in your favor, like ever. So even if he's on the ground. Like, if I felt like he could sub Cote, I'd say, yeah. But I'm almost to the point where I actually like Cote, like, as, as, as a bet. Like, where I would, you know, if I would say this if, if somehow this line floated to where Cote was like an underdog, where I was going to get, you know, positive units back on him, I might actually throw, you know, a small something there or just hook him up in a, in a, a parlay somewhere with somebody just to see if it hit. So I'm not I'm 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 a little bit stronger on Cote as uh, you know in terms of just this fight and calling this fight than than you are with Saunders. I know you're just picking it to make a pick. Um, now to confuse everybody, after we just talked about Ben Saunders, we talk about Luke Sanders <laughs> against Maximo Blanco and another similar fight where. Uh, Blanco is minus 120, slight favorite, and Luke Sanders at you know plus 100, which is even money. Uh, t- tough fight to call, you know. I mean, I know the names, but I just don't know. I-, I feel like I just don't know enough about these two guys to to kind of give a good handicap of the well, fight. Maximo Blanco has probably the coolest name in the world. When your when your birth name is a superhero name like Maximo Blanco. Right there, you already got good things going for you. And Luke Sanders doesn't have a Wikipedia. Wiki- oh, but Jeremy Fullerton logic. I think I'm with Maximo on this one. I do agree with you, you know. I uh, Maximo, I'm obviously a lot more familiar with. He's been around a long time. Uh, but I get what you're saying, man. It's, it, I would not be able to give wise advice to tell somebody where to put their money on a fight like this between these two guys. Yeah, I... It, it, <laughs> you know, you're talking about how how Luke Sanders doesn't have uh, a Wikipedia page. You know what else he doesn't have? What? A professional loss. Ooh. But what does that mean? Think about that one. What I mean, you might have seen on Access TV fights or RFA. I mean, he's an R veteran. Last card, we saw a veteran beat a UFC veteran, and we weren't expecting it. And you were just talking about that. We have to upgrade. RFA here. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's might be the top feeder league into the UFC. 
uh, yeah, they're 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 in the conversation. Um, certainly. And um, what's the one we are? Lucius Combat. Ring of Combat. Yeah. Yeah, they're another. You know, they've been around. They've been feeding the UFC for. Looks like there's thirty. Maximo. Now, if you told me Maximo Blanco was thirty, please tell me Luke's just thirty. I would. So I don't. Yeah. I don't know. And his pro no, career no, looks yeah, like it started I, I, in two thousand eleven. The best. That's yeah, I'm gonna bullshit the listeners. That's no point. Next one, however, uh, Chris Wade, big favorite, minus uh, minus three thirty against uh, Mehdi Baghdad, plus two seventy. Uh, is I, I have a feeling we're one away from the fight that you like as the other as the other fight. Yeah, okay, but I, I I was leaning towards that one when I was looking at it earlier. But yeah, are, you are correct. You're a big correct. Chris Wade guy, right? Well, I'm a big Chris Wade guy. Oh, you are? Okay. But fuck, <laughs> putting words in my mouth. Isn't isn't he like a is he a Sarah Longo guy? Maybe. I, Chris Wade is just gonna he's gonna win. I, I just don't see him. You're just talking about Ring of Combat. He was a combat guy. Mm-hmm. Where his career started, yeah. Along with many people from that uh, that area down there, and a lot of them have done great things. They've had very successful careers. He, the only thing that concerns me a little bit is that he his actually his toughest in his UFC fights. Is, this is his fourth UFC fight, but his his toughest fight was um, actually a World Series of Fighting, and. He lost a unanimous decision to Ozzy Dugulovov. Um, that, that gives me a little bit of pause. I mean, he, he actually went this with him. Ozzy's good enough. Um, and, you know, the other guy, Baghdad. He's an RFA fighter. He's an RFA fighter, yeah. I mean, that's what we were just talking about. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my uh, logic here. He's on a pretty good win streak. He did have some losses earlier in his career. Uh, French fighter. I, I don't know. I, I would not. I wouldn't go against Chris Wade. And at, at, at minus three thirty, he's not giving you really any value. But yeah. I, I, I suppose that say fucking fifty bucks on that if you really wanted to take the risk and uh, plus two seventy betting on underdog like that. If you don't care to lose the money, your payday is going to be all right, and you're not losing a whole lot of fifty bucks if you, you know if you're not worried about losing fifty bucks. I would I would rather take and use it to help me get back. <laughs> I would. I mean, uh, you know, in this case, or 15. I mean, I know it's chalky, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I, don't, so, I don't see Wade dropping this fight. Um, okay. Crookshank. Paul, Darren Paul Crookshank. Felder, Paul Felder. 65 to Darren Crookshank, plus 225. I feel like you have to say about this one. Not a whole lot. No, no. It's just... It's, this is not the other fight? This is it. This is it. It is. But okay. this is the one... When I was looking at the betting lines earlier today, I thought, man, you know, Crookshank might be the live underdog on this card. Because, you know, the, it's going to be a stand-up striking fight. Crookshank's very... Crafty with his strikes. He likes to throw some pretty unique kicks. Felder likes to spin shit all night long. So it's a, uh, it, it, I see Crookshank winning the fight because of how I think the fight is going to play out. Uh, and that's where I thought, you know, maybe that was the live underdog. After we got into this at the beginning, 
I do agree that Eddie Alvarez is the actual live underdog. But yeah, at first glance, earlier on, this is the one that I was looking at thinking, this is a live underdog. Now, I wouldn't say it's the live underdog, because I think we both agreed Eddie Alvarez is. But I, it's, it's an underdog that I would not shy away from betting on by any means. I think this line's a little outrageous. I can see why you look at uh, Crookshank has one win in his last five fights. And it was uh, against Anthony Njikawani. Where Paul Felder, is, he's on a two-fight losing streak. But those those two losses are to Edson Barbosa and Ross Pearson. And before that, he was undefeated. And he's training at the, the Bad Motherfucker Ranch with uh, Donald Cerrone. Who is obviously striking, like, not, not a genius in terms of a coach. But in terms of a fighter. Cerrone's a... Uh, proven many a times he's a high level striker when he gets in the cage so Paul Felder's soaking up all that knowledge and obviously you know you go to that BMF ranch you're going to get tougher it's not like they're down there taking it easy I think a lot of the mentality down there is training hard sparring hard they still have a little bit of that old school in them I don't think they're there to hurt each other but I think you know if you don't uh, get busted up a little bit each day in practice it wasn't a good practice that's what seems like the mentality is down there so Paul Felder, you know, he's definitely going to bring his game, but I would not be shocked. I would even be willing to put money on it that Crookshank will win this fight. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I really do think I really do believe Crookshank's going to pull this off. I think Felder gets a little too wild, and even though it might Crookshank might not finish him, but like we saw in the in the Edson Barbosa fight, when somebody starts striking back and they have striking ability and they're they're not afraid to throw some crazy shit just like felder he almost gets reckless and then shit you know he's not landing he's he's wasting energy on stuff that's that's missing it that's that's what makes me lean towards crookshank and that this betting line a crookshank sitting at what plus 225 that's something that's worth putting some money on i think what's the other term not live underdog uh, you had some, said it I, uh, the last show. Talking about, I said never heard before. Fuck, I wish you could remember it. I don't know. Whatever. If it comes up, it comes up. You it comes have up. Have more than one live underdog. I mean, there can. No, 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 no. But the term you used the last, the last is it was uh, it was the perfect term as you said. No, I mean, I, I mean, live underdog is also a good term for this. I just don't know if he's as alive as you think he is. I mean, he his consecutive losses. Uh, are to James Krause and Benil Dariush. Now, both of them, in both cases, he got choked out, rear naked choke. Um, he had the accidental eye poke fight that ended up being a no contest against KJ Noons. But I don't think he was really doing well in that fight. And, you know, he beat Anthony and Jokowani, who we know can kickbox. So that's sort like that win sort of sticking in there is the only thing that gives me a little bit of doubt. I mean, he lost to Jorge Masvidal. I, I just, I, 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 I see Felder as having, you know, a pretty well-rounded uh, striking arsenal. I, I don't know if he's as wild as, as you say he is, but maybe. I mean, I... I I don't know if he's wild in as much as he gets like emotional in the middle of his fights. Like that, I don't think like, he's always like, wild, but I think once he gets a guy that starts throwing kicks back at him, 
that aren't just your general, you know, your, your leg kicks or, you know, teeps and all that stuff, who starts throwing some, you know, some crescent kicks and weird shit, right, that's, that you don't see from every fighter. Someone who can, who has a, a wide variety of kicks, like Crookshank has, like Barbosa has, I, th- I think a little more reckless. And I think that could be his downfall in this fight. Well, that, that Barbosa fight was a fucking amazing fight. That was man. so much fun. There were so many, oh, shit, moments. Nick Diaz fight. must have been at home just so mad. Stop spitting. Yeah. I mean, it was. And the funny thing was, he went into that fight against Ross Pearson. And we talked a lot about Ross Pearson before. Yeah. You know, everybody was expecting, oh, what are we going to see? He, he, he had a UFC fight before. He had that six spinning back fist knockout of Danny Castillo. But um, that's the one that really woke everybody up. Ah, this guy just took out a, a long time, you know, solid pro, sick move. And, you know, he backed it up. He lost to, uh, to Barboza. But he's, you know, all, Barboza won the rounds. But those were like razor close, you know. It was a really, really close fight. You see unanimous decision. But it was, it, you know, he was right there. And then, man, he came out against Ross Pearson and he pulled a rock. Like he just was... He was like a dud in that fight. Like he kept watching it, waiting for him to. When's it going to start? When's it going to start? And it just—he just never got it going ever. So, if he comes out and fights the way he fought against Ross Pearson, he's definitely going to lose. But I just don't see it happening. Is it that Paul Felder? You know, if if he doesn't win this fight, he's probably heading out. Say with Darren I mean, Crookshank. Yeah, maybe. But Crookshank is is. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's probably. I mean, for either guy, it would be a third loss in a row. I don't know what their contract situations are. But, you know, I tend to think Crookshank is a guy that, you know, might have a little bit better chance of hanging around if he, if he didn't win the fight. Whereas Felder, I think if he doesn't win, um, they're just looking at a guy that has, like, unfulfilled promise. You know, that he yeah. looks so good. And you're like, how could this guy not be so great? I mean, when he was CFFC around here in New Jersey, mm-hmm. he fighting championships. And if you remember, uh, Mike Constantino, you know, trained the Miller brothers, Charlie Brenneman, um, you know, and, and now, you know, has since moved into management. He was AMA Fight Club, uh, which, you know, still, I think, still is in existence. But, you know, they're not, they're not so focused on producing MMA fighters. And Mike's doing more stuff with CFFC. I mean... He was like a mainstay of CFFC. Like, you know, he was he was a guy that you could really count on to, you know, be at the top of a card and and produce. And he had a lot of good fights there, and they were all wins, some of them spectacular. Um, just ask a guy named Craig Johnson who, who fell to a spinning, you know, like a heel kick. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like Crookshank is as alive as you as you feel because i feel like he's had trouble with guys like felder that have this kind of arsenal um and you know would i be surprised if he wins i won't be that surprised but i just feel like i i guess i just feel like there's a little bit more on the line for for felder i feel like crookshank like even if he's out of the ufc he'll still you know he i think he has his own promotion and stuff um like I just feel like he's a guy who's going to survive in the game, whereas Felder's this is kind of like a make it or break it. Like Felder's a guy that if he does put it together, he's got a lot of promise. Even you know, even though he's, 
you you haven't heard of him, but he's he's thirty. You know, um, I just I don't know. I don't know. I I I feel like Crookshank might be a little bit overmatched. Dog play that difference of opinion makes a good show, right? Exactly. Moving and right along. We're not making it up. It's genuine. Uh, yeah, moving it's, it's along. Scripted. <laughs> yeah. We planned this all week. Right. <laughs> um. So selfish. Ursaka never wants to join us when she's got no voice because she's sick. Yeah, I know. So mad at her. Sick uh, in California. Whatever. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> she gets out to sunny, sunny California, and all of a sudden she's too sick. Right, Laura. Right. She's she can do no wrong. I know. I'm Except when she does. Uh, Ed sure <laughs> fuse Herman plus plus two hundred. And Tim Bosch minus two forty. Not mad at that, those lines at all. I think those lines are exactly where they should be, and I agree with them. So but. you're not going. You're not going for Herman. Nope, not not a chance. And with that minus two forty, that's that's too much of a favorite to to put uh, put any cash on, in my opinion. Is your it? Did you know? I know you've you've rewatched every season of The Ultimate Fighter again recently. Yeah. That have anything to do with your your thoughts about Ed Herman, or are you just yeah? No, no, not so much that Ed Herman as of you know as his careers went, as Tim Boach's careers went. Just uh, I I think that line is, is the most honest line out of this whole card. I think that line tells the story of the fight right there. I do think Ed Herman's going to get dominated fairly badly, like not just like. I'm not talking Anderson Silva, Forrest Griffin. That owns more than a minute of this fight, at best. So actually, if you, I mean, so if you say that, even at minus two forty, I mean, if 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 you feel like Bosch is that much of a lock, and you feel like this is that much of a mismatch fight, um, he, you know, he's not the biggest favorite on the card. I mean, you're getting a better price on him than you would get on Anthony Pettis. Yeah, but I wouldn't, so, I wouldn't touch Pettis though. I'd go with Alvarez. No, but I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying. If you were somebody who generally liked favorites, which most people do, most people bet favorites. Yeah, you know, um, they don't necessarily figure out the value in the line, but sometimes there is value in the line of a favorite. And if Tim Boat should really like, if you see this fight as being, you know, Tim Boat should really be like minus six hundred instead of minus two. I don't think he should be. I think I think that's that's where he should be right there. The minus two hundred to minus two fifty. I think he should be sitting. But you're saying he's going to dominate this fight, and you don't see, um, you don't see him losing more than a minute of the fight to Ed Herman, mm-hmm. which means you're not giving Ed Herman. You're giving Ed Herman. Uh, okay, say Ed Herman wins one minute of a 15 minute fight. Yeah, that means you're saying that he's a 14 to one shot. <laughs> that that's true. A, I never looked at it that way. In that minute, like that's what you're saying. I never looked at it it's, that way. He gets his minute. Now he has to win the fight. And you're saying Tim Boach is one to fourteen, which would make him minus like seven hundred. <laughs> so, so if you think that Tim Boach is really minus seven hundred, and you can get him for minus two forty, you, what you've actually said is that Tim Boach is is a value play here. Yeah, I don't. And if you want, and, and you know, sometimes you have to pay. You'd to have to pay a lot though to win anything off that. Every you know, hundred bucks you're trying to win, you got to drop. People will pay crazy. I mean, we didn't even talk about Invicta. We didn't even look at whatever Chris Cyborg's line is on Saturday. <laughs> that, whatever it is, 
Yeah, how's that kind of money? Oh, but it's not people like that necessarily. It's people who are willing to, to you know, put down a hundred ninety dollars to raise their bankroll by ten bucks. I mean, that's, that's you know, there are people stupid. like that, and this is not. This is this is not you know. I, I I do I think the betting line is exactly which I, like I said minus two hundred to minus two fifty in that range. Ed Herman like a plus one seventy five to plus two twenty five in that range. I think the I think this is the most honest line on the card. Except for the fact that you said that you only think Ed Herman is going to win. A <laughs> Shut up! Oh, you're too smart for me. You're too intelligent for me. I don't. I don't... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just taking what you said. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to flip it on you. I'm just. I, I think that maybe maybe you've hit something. I mean, certainly I was not looking at this fight until you've brought it up. Like I wasn't really. I didn't really think twice about it. And now you got me thinking that. Wow, Tim Boach really is like a sick value. At you know, I know he's minus two forty, and usually I'm not seeing value in a minus two forty guy, but it's like you know sometimes if you see uh, Demetrius Johnson in a title fight be anything less than minus five hundred, you basically just go take it because it's free money. I mean, you know, and you can laugh at the free money thing, right? That's what gets chalk betters like in the hole. But <laughs> you know, there are some times when you can grind it out. And if you're if you're a grinder and you don't mind playing a favorite, he's not telling you this. Jay's telling you Tim Boach at minus forty is a play. That's what Jay's telling you. And I, I I'm I'm telling you it's even more of a play now, just based on your analysis of it. You've opened my eyes to it that we've made Tim Boach the lock of the night. Okay, let's move on. Ooh, lock of the night. <laughs> I like it. I like see, it. See how well I do when I don't there? even know what I'm doing. <laughs> That was nice. <laughs> right, moving moving on, Iliar Latifi, Sean O'Connell. Uh, Latifi minus two seventy to O'Connell plus two thirty. I think this is the most honest line of the card. I think this this line really tells the story of this fight. <laughs> and you tell me why? I don't know why exactly. <laughs> At least if, I had some reasoning. If they if they if they fought ten times. I think Sean O'Connell would win three. And I think Latifi would win the other seven. Maybe he'd win six and the other one would be a majority draw. I don't think I'd pay enough attention. No, I I don't know. I I, I can't give give a shit. I think I'm I'm done with my fits in which I can give good analysis for this card. What? I do have a little announcement on the next fight, if you look down on it. The betting line is Augusto Mendez versus Charles Rosa, right? Yeah. Wrong. Charles Rosa is now fighting newcomer Kyle Bochniak. B-O-C-H-N-I-A-K. Bochniak. Bochniak. And if you head over to Parting Shots Podcast within about 45 minutes, you'll get the exclusive from UFC newcomer Kyle Bochniak. Who's fighting him? The news was just released two hours ago on Sheerdog, and I just saw on Twitter that James Lynch got the story, and it'll be up within the hour. So uh, when you say that, of course, we don't actually stream live. Nobody knows what time we're recording this um, and what time it's actually hitting the air, which is usually pretty soon after we've recorded it. 
and pretty much almost nobody is listening to it immediately the second that it's posted. So what you're saying is... Thank God for editing? Just, no. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know you're not going to bother to do. Um, Because, by the way, in case I didn't inform you, you're editing tonight's show and I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I've been editing all week, part-timer. Yeah, guess what? (laughs) Mr. Flexible Hours. You're editing full-time this week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the time element of that is Thursday late in the evening on the East Coast that Parting Shots MMA had that. So go check out our buddies over there, James Lynch. And, uh, you know, obviously the line is is relevant now to be adjusted for that. And, you know, then you have uh, Joey Gomez and Rob Font. Gomez is plus 190 to Font's uh, minus 230. And, well, here's another guy whose name you know. Uh, Elvis Mutapchik, minus 165 against uh, Francimar Barroso, plus 145. You'll you'll Elvis because of his time. Didn't you used to interview him all the time, or was it that he was on MFC? Yeah, I interviewed him tons of times when he was in the MFC, so that's my reasoning for picking him at minus 165. Yeah, I'll give you that, too. I mean, I don't know. I I don't... I don't have any good insight onto onto those other things. So you see, see, and this but, is why this is why I start with the exciting fights, and we say nobody's going to listen to the Mutapchich versus Rosso. We don't even give a shit, so I expect people to keep listening. No, but I, I mean, I, I think at like parting shots, they they do like go over that stuff, don't they? What parting it, shot podcast? They, yeah, they go over James Lynch. You would have heard. Yeah, James Lynch won't pass up an interview. He'll do. I, I do see lines. I don't know if they're five dimes. Uh, five dimes. It's uh, oh, Boshniak is plus two hundred five, and Charles Rose is minus two eighty five. All right, odd. Looks like that. Well, I don't know. That's yeah. That's what five dimes says. I don't know. I don't know if that's updated or not. If they just switch the name out or what. But that's interesting, right? Very good. I'm looking for Invicta odds. I can't seem to find them. Well, I'm going to take a piss while you do that. Anything on Invicta? Can't I can't find it. Best fight odds. Invicta. FC. Let me see if I can just figure out the link.
Yeah. Cyborg versus Abragamova. So you're going to be editing this show. I you cut out almost every time you speak. So I lo- I have n- I have no good record of your voice. That's fucking great. So it's your recording is going to be the one. But the good news is that you have Tim Hughes, and you'll have the the ending. Uh, now we just have to figure out where we were. We just wrapped up the card there, and uh, that was basically it. I was about to say, I could even say what I was about to say at that time. I was going to say, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Do you want me to say that? And then you can just be like, nope, and do the Twitter shit. Uh, I was about to say that, and you said, let me see if I can find the Invicta odds. Like I was, My mouth was open about to say any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, let me see. Wait, uh... What's the fucking guy's name? Kyle, what? Washniak. Yeah, the fuck's that? I don't know those fucking hockey names. Even like, just look at anything within Victor. If we have time tomorrow and do a show, then we do it. I guess. Yeah, we just do it tomorrow. Fuck it. If it's just as these bang on. Do thing. You want to say, okay. Ready? Mm hmm. So, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I think that's pretty much it. You also have Invicta. It doesn't look like we could find any uh, any odds on Invicta 15, but, you know, like we talked about, Cyborg be on that card, and if she loses, the world will basically end. Or will be, you know, if, <laughs> if Cyborg loses, just look out for the asteroid coming from the sky. That's about that chance. Let the Twitter stream roll. You got it easy tonight. Last night I had like eight Twitters to let off. Wow. I mean, when you put it that way. Why don't we start with Drone Strike? At Drone Strike Game on Twitter. Download the app for your iOS device and start killing the terrorists. You don't have to be Tim Kennedy. To do it at J Kelly MMA, you could follow my partner on Twitter, J A Y K E L L Y MMA. You can follow me. My name is Joe Rizzo at Rear Naked Choke, just like the finishing move. No underscores or anything. The original. And don't forget to follow the show at RNC Radio. That'll do it for the Betting Angles show for UFC Fight Night 81. For Jay Kelly, this is Joe Rizzo. Thanks for listening to Rear Naked Choke Radio. Coming at you live. And there you go.
Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay. Probably going to get some retweets in a minute. 